You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name, Connor Halley. My Twitter handle, at Connor Halley, if you'd like to give me a follow. And before we get into the Oilers discussion, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever, so get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes and use code word THPN when you sign up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. And for baseball fans, you may have missed out on a season-long fantasy, so now is the time to get in on all the daily fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain with DraftKings. Payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now, download the DraftKings app, and use promo code THPN during sign-in this week. DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And for the Edmonton Oilers, since the last time we spoke, not a bad week. Not a bad week. And, yeah, it was against the Ottawa Senators. Two straight games and two straight wins. That's nine in a row against the Sens. The good news is you picked up 18 free points there against the Ottawa Senators. The bad news, you don't get to play them anymore. On Wednesday afternoon, it was the Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl show, something we're used to here in Oilers country. Leon Draisaitl scoring his 20th, 21st, and 22nd goal of the season, adding a helper. Connor McDavid, three assists and one goal. He has 23 on the season now. The Edmonton Oilers picking up the win. And in that game, you know, Mikko Koskinen not playing too bad either, which is a good sign. Now factor in that it is the Ottawa Senators, but at the same time, they've beat teams in this league. They're not that bad, and for the Oilers, that was a big win. Then you fast forward on to Thursday night, and the Edmonton Oilers once again picking up the 3-1 win. Not counting necessarily on their superstars in this one, but uh, some of the, the lesser-known players getting in on the action. Devin Shore ends up getting the game winner. Yessi Pugliarvi scoring an empty netter. Kyler Yamamoto had a goal in that one, too. Mike Smith solid in this one as well. 40 shots on goal, only letting the one in. So good news for the Edmonton Oilers. The bad news, Ryan Nugent Hopkins did not play on Thursday. He was a late scratch and uh, on the Jason Greger, so he tried to track down the footage. You can find that up at his Facebook page. It looks like he took a shot late in the game on Wednesday. From what we hear, not considered to be a long-term injury. Maybe, maybe the opponent playing a role in that one. But good for the Edmonton Oilers, winning two straight games against the Ottawa Senators. Now they head to Calgary for a game, 8 o'clock down at the Dome. We will preview that one later on here in the show. As I get to our lineup, we will talk to Danny Austin. Of course, he covers the Calgary Flames for Post Media, and uh, we'll see what's going on in Calgary. I know last week we had Ryan Leslie on from Sportsnet to talk about the Flames, and a lot of uncertainty going on there. And Approaching the trade deadline, what could happen? Could they be sending some of the big names out? 
or will they wait till the off season to make some changes? We'll find out from Danny Austin coming up later on in this show. We're also going to talk to Brendan Clack. He, of course, covers the NHL. He's a contributor at Fantrax. He used to be my coworker at TSN 1260. The guy is locked into all that's happening in the NHL. Give him a follow at NHL Update on Twitter. We're going to ask Brendan some moves that he likes for the Edmonton Oilers when it comes to trade deadline. Also, names he doesn't like and also any wild cards out there who he thinks the Oilers might take a look at and what would they be willing to sacrifice to bring somebody in? That coming up later in the show. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I like to bring in local business owners on every once in a while and just try to give them a, a little bit of a spotlight so people know about them and, and can frequent their companies. And today's going to be a real cool one. Darren McGowan, he is the owner of Arcadia Brewing Company in the city. Give them a follow on Twitter at Arcadia Brew Co. Also ArcadiaYG.com. Some great beers they have down at Arcadia. We're going to talk to him about the business, how it all started, how they've been impacted by COVID, and uh, we got a giveaway as well. So keep it locked on the Other Connor podcast here. After we finish the interview with Darren, I'll let you know how you can win a gift card to Arcadia and a pretty cool T-shirt as well. And it is Oilers-themed. It is Oilers-themed, so it all fits in here on the Other Connor podcast. But we're going to start things off with a good friend of mine, TSN 1260's Hernan Salas. You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at Hernan Demand, and tune into his podcast, Locked on Oilers, as the Oilers pick up two straight wins against the Ottawa Senators Wednesday and Thursday. Hernan, how are you doing tonight? Oh, you know, doing good, good. Uh, the weather's turning, the Oilers are uh, rolling, so yeah, how can you not be good? Hernan, how long has it been since we've had summer hockey here in the city? Is it is it the Jeez. cup run or like the last time the Oilers went on that little bit of a playoff run? I think it, it was April. So we, it's been a while since we had like shorts weather and yeah. Oilers hockey. It's going to be cool to be into May and, and have some. I, I think in 2017 we went into May, but, you know, it went seven games and they ended up losing. But... Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be different. Uh, we're in a pandemic too, uh, lockdown again. So who knows by the time that rolled around where we're at, uh, Connor. So it's gonna be definitely interesting. Different times, it's a different world now. So, uh, but for me, honestly, as a guy that covers the team and, and grew up cheering for the team, uh, it's just gonna be great to see them. Um, and I, and I'm saying they're in because I, I just don't see how there's, unless they drop the remaining games, uh, it looks pretty safe that the Oilers will be a playoff team this year. Yeah, I think Matt Awanek tweeted out 22 points was the magic number, and that's as we tape this Thursday night. So I, I think it's pretty safe. You look at the division, I don't see any of the other teams behind them really making that push. Yeah. Uh, maybe Montreal jumps them into the you know the third spot. but Seeding, right? Because like, yeah. there's 15 games left, and uh, I mean, the Oilers just have to win how many, like... <laughs> well, we're not math majors. Let's no. just say we both think they're going to make it. Yes. Let's yes. hope it let's happens. It and if they don't, then uh, you blame it on us and it's our fault. But the Oilers coming off two straight wins over the Ottawa Senators. And, you know, Hernan, I, a lot of people like to kind of throw those wins away and say they don't mean much. But anytime you beat a team nine straight, that's impressive. It is. And uh, I, I was just seeing some Dave Tippett post game. <laughs> <laughs> and is it, I love it because he's like if 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 it's so easy then why why aren't other teams doing it and and that's the thing I mean at the start of the season Connor we were talking about hey let's um, those points against Ottawa are going to be huge especially if you want to be a playoff team they got every single point out of Ottawa and there's still some people saying well they're only beating Ottawa well I rather them go nine and zero than them go four and five <laughs> go three and six go one and nine like they got eighteen points and who cares. Ottawa's played really well against every other team in the North Division, and you saw in these last two games, Ottawa was right there with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. The Edmonton Oilers weren't at, well, I shouldn't say weren't at their best, it's just both teams played 
played solid hockey, and uh, the Oilers were able to squeak out two wins. So good kudos to them, and I have no issues. 9-0, hell, man, when's the last time that happened? And, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get people want to throw that in your face, like, yeah, well, it's the Senators. Well, I mean, you, you said it a few times there, but they're a professional hockey league team. Like, th- this isn't some Joe Blow beer league team. Like, they're still going to give you an honest effort. You're still going to have to be on your game, and mm. if you're not, then you're going to lose. And we've seen that from the Leafs. You've seen it from the Flames, the Montreal Canadiens. Like, they beat these teams so I give full credit to the Edmonton Oilers for taking those wins. You know what? It's helping you get into the dance. And once you get into the playoffs, anything can happen. So I give a lot of credit to the Oilers. And you know what? Like, good good things are happening for this team right now. Uh, Devin Shore scoring the goal. That's nice to see. Caleb Jones setting it up. These depth performances are are going to matter, and that's what you need in the playoffs. So I, I think you got to give the Oilers some credit for this. What do you make of the whole Ryan Nugent Hopkins situation? It looks like he took a, a high shot to the head. In Wednesday's game against the Senators, he doesn't play Thursday, and you know you, you kind of get lucky. Part of me thinks if it wasn't the Sens, maybe he plays. But you're playing the Sens, a team that you think you can beat, so maybe that that just you know you say let's be cautious, give him the night off, and see what happens. But if he's out long term, or you know even a little bit longer, a couple of weeks, whatever it might be, could that be a big problem? I think so. You saw it today. I, I mean, it drops off a lot when you load that top line. Then you got Haas, Kyra. And Taurus, and, and I like Kyra. I think he's really turned his game around. Devin Shore's really become a guy that's not coming out of the lineup. He's earned that spot now. But when you look at a Haas and Taurus and you compare him to a Nuge, the drop-off is enormous. And uh, I know people are complaining about Nuge, and he can't drive his own line and all that. And listen, this guy's been a center most of his life. Um, he's had He's found success on the wing with the two big guys. But, yeah, Nuge here. And listen, uh, I almost think, and, and, and the hit went unnoticed because none of us knew till the warm-ups yeah. that he was out. We're like, what the hell's going on? And I know speculation. Are they trading him? No, no, no. <laughs> um, but even if he's not 100%, uh, Connor, I'm at the point where it's like, you don't play him Saturday. Why? You're going to get a whole week off. It's it's sounding like it's going to be that way, that the Oilers won't have any games next week due to the uh, Vancouver situation. So let him rest up. I mean... Calgary Oilers have kind of owned them this year. Uh, you're probably going to split up Connor and McDavid. Uh, <laughs> you're going to split up McDavid and Dreisaitl for that game just to get more balance in your lineup. I'm not rushing to get Nuge back because, like we talked off the hop, like this team, you, they pick up three, four more wins. We're already going to be talking about, okay, who are they facing in the playoffs? We don't want to jinx yeah. it. That's why we don't want to commit to saying it 100%. But if, if Nuge is not ready Saturday... Split the two big guys up and then uh, maybe call up Ennis, who brings you a little more offense, and go from there. But there's no need to rush him. Because if, if he's a play Saturday and he gets hurt again and he's out for a month, let's say, or even more, then that's going to hurt them going in the long run. Because a guy like Nuge is a guy you need in the playoffs, a guy that can do everything for you. Let's say that he is okay to go. Would you keep the big line of McDavid and Drysdale together against Calgary or do you look to spread them apart? Because I think against the Sens, you can do that, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, you we give them credit. They're a hardworking team, but they just don't have that skill to hang around. Against the Flames, as much as they struggle, they are a better team. I mean, and these two points, let's face it, they do matter. You want to try to, to hold off Montreal if you can, because they do have that game in games in hand. So what would you do with uh, McDavid Drysdale going into the game Saturday? Yeah, it's such an interesting conversation, and I've had a lot of these uh, with the guys on the two guys pod, and it's it, it's it almost seems that... I almost prefer they're split up against the better teams. Mm-hmm. And I know Calgary's struggling and all that. And the Oilers, like I said, have, have picked up a lot of wins over them this season, which is awesome. 
But I, I'd almost like to see them split up because it just gets more balanced. Because once that line comes off, you're not really generating a lot of uh, of chances from the other three lines. And um, nothing against Kyra, Shore, and Archibald. I think they've been great, but it's not like having two skilled lines out there, right? And then you're really looking for that top line to do uh, a lot of the scoring for you. So I, I'm a guy like against Toronto, against Winnipeg, against Montreal. You know, I even throw Calgary in there. I like to see them more split up. I don't mind when he did this against Ottawa because it works. And now people got to keep in mind, you can start them apart. And if you're down a goal or it's tied or it's late and you see it after every PK, they always come out and play together. Like it's it's something that Dave Tippett has up his sleeve that he can pull out whenever he wants. And it's awesome. Yeah. So there's no need to go to that every time. Like you can always split them up and then go to it if you need to. I always like, and I, I say it a lot in here, but like the breaking case of emergency. Like if yeah. if need be, yeah, you've got that in your back pocket. You can throw them out there and make it happen. Tippett does it, like you said, after penalty kills, he, he finds ways to get those two guys out there as much as he can because you'd be crazy not to. In certain yeah. situations, you have to of do it. Last, last minute of a period, if you get that draw in the offensive zone, of course, you're going to put them out there and see what you can do. And uh, yeah, I think see what happens early on against the Flames, see how it's going and you know, if you're down a goal late, obviously you put them back together. Uh, heard now the trade deadline Monday afternoon, one o'clock Mountain Time. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's another thing you guys have probably talked about a lot on uh, two guys and a goalie. The podcast probably on uh, Locked On Oilers as well. But what do you think they do, if anything? I don't think they do much. I mean, everybody keeps throwing out Hall and Raquel. Of, of course, I would want those guys, Connor. Like they're they're Hall's your boy, guys. right? Yeah. Like- <laughs> I just don't see how, and everybody keeps throwing uh, Turris. Chase on and Benson and Caleb Jones. And I always tell people, but why would the other team want those guys? Like I get I get trades and I get but the orders also don't have a lot of money. So it's gotta mm-hmm. be money going out. But everybody just keeps bringing up these suggestions and I always like there's two teams. And always think why would the other team do that? Like uh, no team wants Kyle Turris for another year. I'm serious though. I don't even think the Oilers do at this point. Chase on, yeah, you can take him because he's off your books anyway. I get that, but to throw in a Tyler Benson, a guy that's in the AHL that we don't know if he's ever going to be an NHLer, and a guy like Caleb Jones, like, why would you give up on a young defenseman this quick for a rental? Yeah. Like, you saw Palmieri and Zajac go for a first rounder, a 35 year old and a 30 year old. I'm not doing that. Hell no. I am not doing that. And, and listen, trades are fun and the fans love it. And we love it too, Connor, but you have to be realistic and go on cap friendly, friendly and look at the Oilers money wise and contracts and you'll see that it's, I don't think Ken Holland's just sitting there saying, I'm not doing anything. I think he's trying to get creative, but it's just not happening. It's hard because this mess will be cleaned up after this season. The PC mess. It will. <laughs> the era of PC. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's one of those things where I, I, I don't think they'll do anything. It's a weird season, quarantine, COVID, everything. And um, no, I, I think this team's going to be busy in the offseason, but not at the trade deadline. Yeah, and I'm, I'm honestly I'm with you, and I thankfully I haven't heard anyone say trade Benson. I, I I don't you know go in that deep onto Twitter or anything. I think that's a guy who you know homegrown talent. Will he be a top six guy at the next level? I don't think so, but you know he could be a, a bottom six guy that plays eighty two games a year for the next decade with this team. Like that that's the kind of guy he could be. I think he's got the hockey IQ. And why would you get rid of that for a rental? I I don't see it and. No. Yeah, that that's one thing I think we we tend to not do here, and it's probably like it in any any hockey mad market. Like, there's two teams, and you're not just going to trade away a guy because you don't want him. Yeah, maybe the Sabers want to tank, but why? 
I mean, you're not getting a generational talent here next year in the draft unless I'm missing someone yeah, and power, you know. But it just it just wouldn't make sense to me. They've, they've got to get something that can help them going forward. And to me, that's probably draft picks. And I don't know if I want to part ways with a first-round pick. I'm not. Not for a rental. Not this year. Yeah. Definitely not this year. Uh, let's wait and see. Let's get the Oilers to be a consistent playoff team, and then you can start saying we're going for it. Like, And I get it. Like You're in the playoffs. Anything can happen. I get that, Connor. I'm not saying the Oilers can't make a run. Because I want them to. And they have the two horses uh, that you'd probably want to make a run in Leon and Connor McDavid. But at the same time, you have to... Ken Holland has to think about the future, too, not just this year. So yeah. that's why I think there's not much is going to happen in terms of the Edmonton Oilers. And if they do, it might be a, a bottom six move to improve uh, maybe Haas or Turris. And Because uh, you saw that today... Uh, Cahoon and, and Turris were under 10 minutes. Yeah. So obviously the coach didn't like what he was seeing. They, they didn't play a lot in the second half of the game. So I get it. You want an upgrade in that left spot on the top six, but I, I just don't see it as a realistic uh, option for Ken Holland. Hernan, what happens Saturday and what's your favorite Battle of Alberta memory? Well, I'm old, so I have a lot of <laughs> memories. Um, I mean, the Gretzky shot, uh, Teaking in in uh, game seven, they're down three nothing. Muckler calls a timeout and and Tick, not, Muckler didn't even speak. Tick just went up and down the bench, yelled at his whole team to come back and and win it and take game seven. You got to go back to the Mike Smith fight. Like, yeah, that was that was probably one of the best battle of Alberta moments in so many so many so many years. Like I I remember I was working the old Kings game. I went down to the casino to have a drink, and the people in the in the casino and at the bar, it was like a playoff game, man. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. So I think those three stand out to me. There's so many, though, like so many great moments in that building, even against them here. And um, so for me, yeah. And then as far as Saturday, I mean, the Oilers have done really well against Calgary. I, but this team's going to be feisty. They're not rolling uh, in the right direction. Um, they're, they're, they're trying new lines. Uh, Daryl Sutter has great quotes every day about his team. Um, I... I think if Nuge is out, it's going to be tough for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. I think um, I just think Calgary, the way they're coming in, they're going to want to want to win. They're trying to get back in the playoffs and all that. So I'm going to say because I, I can't pick the Oilers always to win, Connor, because then I'm a true homer and I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> um, so I think Calgary uh, wins on Saturday. One of the rare wins they pick up against the Oilers this year, um, and it, I, I guess for me it depends on Nuge. And, and right now, if he sat out this game. You're flying into Calgary, and then one day, I, I think Nuge will sit out Saturday as well, especially yeah. if it's a concussion. There's no need to rush him. Yeah, and I mean, this is a team in Edmonton that was out east, came back for a game, went right back out east. Could be a little fatigue yeah. there. So, you know, if there is one they're going to lose, this might be it. But yeah. that's why they can't play win the game. them all, right? <laughs> of course, I want them to win, but um, sometimes you just got to. You got to know that there's going to be a game there uh, that you're going to drop, and this seems like one. Well, Hernan, I appreciate your honesty yeah. and your realistic opinion there. <laughs> I'm not just always going to pick the Oilers, and uh, that's that's respected yeah. on this podcast. Thanks a lot for doing this, my friend. Of we'll course, talk to you later. Buddy. All right, man. Stay safe. Excellent stuff from Hernan Salas of TSN 1260 and Locked On Oilers podcast. Also, you can tune in to him after every Oilers game alongside Tom Gazzola on the Don Wheaton on White postgame show on TSN 1260 right now. Why don't we talk about the NHL's trade deadline? Of course, Monday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 o'clock Mountain Time. Will the Edmonton Oilers look to add anyone to their roster? We know they're likely a playoff team, but 
Is that good enough? And at the same time, what would you be willing to send out of Edmonton to pick somebody up? We're going to talk about that with Brennan Clack. He's a contributor at Fantrax. You can give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. Brennan, thanks a lot for doing this today. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, there was actually a trade today uh, and one last night. And it feels like it's been kind of the slowest trade deadline ever. So it's nice to have something. So, Brandon, I know obviously with all the travel regulations, things get a little bit more complicated. If I were to throw a number at you, let's say 10, would you think over or under 10 trades before the deadline? I still think it's going to be over. Uh, I, I heard from Barry Trotz was interviewed and he was asked, what do you think the trade deadline will be like? And he said, quiet, quiet, quiet. And then in the last half an hour, there'll be a massive sell-off of assets. And I think that is what we're going to see. So the actual deadline part might be pretty busy. It's just this up period where it's just been dead quiet. And it, that might continue into the weekend, especially because the Masters are on and GMs are watching that too. I mean, who isn't? Right now I've got it on in the background. We're all watching the Masters. Uh, I want to ask you, since this is an Oilers-based podcast, uh, who are some guys that you think could be a good fit and realistically end up with the Oilers by the trade deadline? Well, so that's the good question, right, is realistically who can the Oilers grab? Because realistically speaking, the Oilers are very much into their LTIR space where they can't really grab anybody with money unless money's going out. The famously dollar in, dollar out. We've heard that term so much. I think uh, Lieutenant Eric made fun of it, and I I laughed at that. Uh, So realistically speaking, it's going to be cheaper options for the Oilers, and that's why you're hearing a lot of the Luke Glendening talk because he only costs $1.8 million. He's an expiring contract, so the Oilers could – be able to finesse something there that makes sense for them. The only problem is, is that the asking price for Luke Glendening is getting into some Jared Smithson territory. If you remember the Jared Smithson trade from a while back, uh, you know, as a third round pick, something that's worth it for a guy that is only going to be used on face-offs and maybe the penalty kill a little bit. I don't know if that's worth it, if that's going to be a thing that gets this team over the, the hill. Um, Taylor Hall, on the other hand, is a player that would get the Oilers a little bit more over the hill. And whether or not that's possible is another debate. Maybe they have to send Alex Chase on to Buffalo. Maybe they have to send Kyle Turris to Buffalo. Does Buffalo want to add another guy who has another year on his contract? So there's, there's question marks there, but there's no doubt that Taylor Hall would be an upgrade at the second left, uh, left wing spot where he can play with Leon Dreisaitl at center. He can play with Nugent Hopkins at center. He's much more dynamic of a player than Dominic Cahoon would be or Tyler Ennis would be filling in the same spot. And and as much as people like, like to hate on Hall, uh, there's no doubt he's the best player available, not just for the Oilers' fits and needs, but around the league. Brandon, would you be willing to part ways with the Oilers' first-round pick in the 2021 draft? Only in one scenario. For me, if you're going to move that first round pick, and, and the draft is a very scary one this year because the 2021 draft, we're talking about a lot of unknown and uncertainty and scouts haven't been able to see these players as much. So there's going to be a lot of dart throwing. But at the same time, I would be I would be looking at maybe moving that first round pick if it gets me a goalie 
that I know I can keep going into next season. Somebody that has some tangible youth to them. They're under 30, perhaps that we can grow with that goalie as a team. So I'm looking at the market and it's Jonathan Bernier is not going to be the guy. He's a UFA at the end of the year, but he's also 32 years old. That's not going to cut it. Uh, David Riddick. No, no stick <laughs> flip for, for the Oilers. I, I think that would be a pass, but I do look at a guy like Chris Drieger in Florida. He's also a UFA at the end of the year, but could you work out an extension with him? Would that be worth a first round pick? Would Darcy Kemper out of Arizona be worth a first round pick. I kind of find that difficult to see right now due to Kemper's injury and Arizona's goalie depth issues as they are right now. Plus they're still in the playoff mix. So that's the only way I think I'm moving the first round pick is something that you can keep into next year and goalie would be my priority, but that's tough. Brandon, I know you've got your finger on the pulse on Twitter at NHL update. You seem to have these, uh, these trades and all these, um, I guess transactions pretty much as soon as the insiders have them. So you've got your finger on the pulse. I want to ask you this. Is there any names being flown out there that, you know, are linked to the Oilers that you think they should stay away from? I am not super into the concept of going after a guy like David Savard. I know David Savard is a name that we're hearing as a veteran, steady defenseman, but he's also a right D, which the Oilers are pretty full of already, and they need more of a left-handed presence if they grabbed anybody. And also David Savard's analytics this year suggests that it's now just a shot-blocking uh, basis for David Savard. Like That's kind of his role now. I don't know if he can impact the team beyond that. And the Oilers already have Chris Russell blocking a ton of shots, as they do Adam Larson. They have guys that already fill that role. Not super down for David Savard. And also, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not super into Luke Glendening myself. I know his face-off percentage is over 60%. That's wonderful, fantastic. But at the same time, he's not a guy that pushes any kind of river at five-on-five. He's His penalty kill face-off percentage is actually a little bit lower. He's around 51 52%. And the problem with grabbing a guy for just face-offs is that what happens when the refs put away the whistle? Like what happens when the refs go, you know what? We're going to let these boys play because they did that against Toronto and they did that against Montreal already this year where we thought, wow, the refs are letting a lot go. You're going to want more of a five-on-five presence against teams like that. And I don't think Luke Glendening really covers that. And I'm a little bit skeptical of his penalty kill prowess too. He's been on the worst penalty kill now for two or three seasons in Detroit. So our scouts would have to figure out how much is it him and how much is it the other guys on the team. I'm not super down considering I think the price is going to be a second or a third round pick. It's going to be something a little bit ridiculous for that kind of player. Brennan, just one final question for you here. And uh, before we did this interview, I just said, give me some names of guys you like, some you don't like. And uh, you threw in here guys to maybe mention, a category I like to call the wild cards. Who stands out for you here? There's a couple wild cards that I think are interesting for the Oilers. The The first team that I look at would be the St. Louis Blues. The Blues have just been completely on the downslide here. And they did beat Vegas, but it had to be a Jordan Bennington standout performance to get that one done and Doug Armstrong's not afraid to make moves where 
oh, we're still in the race, but you know what? I'm still going to move that pending UFA or that guy that doesn't fit my roster. So Mike Hoffman, there's a guy who I know a lot of Oilers fans are looking at that second line left wing slot and thinking, well, his shot would be really nice on this team. He's a guy that I'm still watching for here. I think Vince Dunn, also on the Blues, there's a guy who's a left-handed defenseman. He's young. He's controllable. You can re-sign him at the end of the year. He's an RFA there's a guy who would add another puck mover to this blue line. We know Dave Tippett has talked about how there's not enough puck moving in some of these last few games. Uh, Jamie Alexiak out of Dallas. There's a big tough guy that can really put a, a shakedown on other teams. He's six foot six and that gives you a lot of nice size. So here's, he's another guy, uh, Scott Lawton out of Philadelphia. They've been on a huge downswing. The Oilers are obviously looking for a third line center upgrade and Scott Lawton's played plenty of third line center. He's another pending UFA that teams might want to look at. And last but not least, I think that Ricard Raquel is a bit of a stretch. I've heard him out there a little bit, but the Ducks want another young player of his ilk coming back in a trade. Derek Ryan out of Calgary as much as it's weird to see Oilers and Flames making moves, Derek Ryan at 50% retain for a low pick would be a savvy-ish Tyler Ennis type of move that could give the Oilers an upgrade at their third-line center spot. Brendan, excellent stuff. Uh, it'll be fun to watch and see what happens before the deadline. Really appreciate you doing this. I love the deadline. It's always fun, and uh, the, uh, I love doing this. So uh, keep inviting me, and I'll keep answering your call. I appreciate it, Brennan. Take care. You too. Excellent stuff from Brennan Clack. Make sure you give him a follow on Twitter, at NHL Update. Lots of great stuff from Brennan, and uh, we appreciate him sharing some time here. He, of course, also a contributor at Fantrax. And right now, let's just keep this talk going. Of course, the Edmonton Oilers are set to take on the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. It's an 8 o'clock puck drop if you do need some pregame coverage. TSN 1260 has you covered. Tom Gazzola, myself, as well as former NHLer Matt Cassian down in Calgary. The two teams will meet. And for that, we bring in Danny Austin. He, of course, covers the Calgary Flames for Post Media. Danny, thanks a lot for doing this tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's uh, my pleasure. Looking forward to chatting. Oh, I'm glad you could uh, make some time to do so. And uh, for the Flames, I know it's been an eventful year, to say the least. And uh, last week on the podcast, I had Ryan Leslie join me. Uh, he, of course, covers the team with Sportsnet. And I asked a couple of questions about the team and you know what we could expect. And... I know he wasn't trying to sit on the fence, but he literally was kept or would keep saying, I don't know. Like, we don't know what, what this team's going to be. We don't know which way they come out on a night to night basis. Would that be your answer as well from what you've seen from this team? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was unreasonable to expect this Flames team to be pretty good. Like, there's, there's way too much talent here for them to be playing the way that they are. And, um, I don't think most of us can honestly wrap around our heads around what happened. And I mean, um, Daryl Sutter keeps talking about them needing to, you know, play faster and, and sort of the implications that there may be some, some almost fitness issues, but none of us saw that coming. This team has been a lot better than this in the past and seemed like they were going to be even better this year. So it's been really confusing. Um, at the same time, I mean, I'm willing to go further than, than Ryan at this point. You are what you are at some point, and the Flames are just not a very good hockey team. So, um, I, I suspect, if not by Monday, when the trade deadline hits, you know, this offseason, there has to be substantial change because it can't keep going this way. Now, could you pinpoint, you know, why this team hasn't been good? Obviously, I mean, you look at the roster on paper, good group of players there. I think we all had them penciled in as a playoff team. 
in your opinion, what went wrong for this team so far this year? I mean, I don't know is the honest answer. Um, <laughs> Jacob Markstrom has fallen off. Um, he has not been nearly as good as he was earlier in the season, which has been part of it. But, I mean, goaltending doesn't explain the whole thing. I just fundamentally think that there's something something that doesn't work here because they shouldn't be losing 7-1. And, you know, they've lost 7-1, 7-3 to the Oilers. They've lost, like, games that they should be able to get up for. They just haven't had this, been able to match the energy of their opponents. Um, so I do think that there's something in the locker room or in the identity or the makeup of this team that just that just doesn't work. I, I, but do I know what it is? No. And with us not being able to sort of get particularly close to the players this season, I don't think anyone's been able to figure it out. So we're, we're just over a month since Daryl Sutter was rehired by the Calgary Flames, the second stint. What have you noticed, if anything, when it comes to change for this team? I mean, they do legitimately. They are much more structured defensively. Um, they're not losing games as often, uh, 7-1. I mean, this. I think that they've lost eight of their last nine right now. They haven't been as bad as losing eight of the last nine. Um, they honestly seem to be really getting punished whenever they make mistakes. Um, but for some reason, they, I mean, look, when Connor McDavid's on the ice, don't turn the puck over in your own zone. That seems pretty basic, and they continue to do that. So um, I will say they, they look they look better. They look more organized. They look more like a professional hockey team that sort of comes in prepared every night. Um, but conversely, they seem to be having a whole lot of trouble with scoring. So it's, it's you know, you fix one problem and another one seems to come up. Now, you mentioned the trade deadline on Monday afternoon. Do you think uh, any notable names will be moved out of town? I mean, I imagine that sort of outside of Elias Lindholm, the Flames would take calls on anybody on the roster right now. Um, but no, I, I think you're probably looking at sort of David Reddick, the backup goalie, or, or Derek Ryan, who are UFAs. Um, I just think that the market's better in the summer for moving these guys. So, um, you know, how many teams have have the space under the cap to take on a $7 million player in the middle of the season, you know, like Johnny Gaudreau. Um, but I honestly do genuinely believe that every single player on, on, on the roster, they would be willing to take calls on. And it's looking like, you know, they could get a top five pick in the draft. So, you know, they may launch a very quick abbreviated rebuild um, and start bringing guys up. So I'm sure they'd be happy to get rid of some of the veteran guys on, on the roster right now. I'm going to ask you about the game on Saturday, but you had a tweet today. It was great. You asked Daryl Sutter about Kachuk and Goudreau generating offense together, and his quote is outstanding. They've played together on the power play since Christ was a child, so they should be able to do it five on five. Uh, what was your reaction, and and do you agree with him? <laughs> I mean, I have no idea if I agree with him. They have played on the power play together. But, like, it was just one of those Sutterisms, right? Like, he says it in... in, in I just laughed. Like, I honestly, like, I, I stopped asking questions because he made me laugh. And that, it was unprofessional, so I just needed to get off Zoom. <laughs> but it's been, to be honest, like, I've actually found it kind of fun to cover him and everyone says he's bad with the media. No, he challenges you. you got to have good questions. But uh, he's just a unique guy. You just don't meet people like him in everyday life. So I, I love a coach who gives me a quote like that, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. Now, do you think that he's a guy that can, you know, help this team take that next step, or could they be looking for a change in the offseason? In terms of Daryl Sutter? No, yeah. I mean, I think Daryl Sutter's here to stay. Um, look, this team won, came, finished first in the West two years ago and then got destroyed by Colorado in the first round. 
that's when I started asking questions about whether the core of this team could really contend for a cup. So I, I, I don't expect this team to look the same, you know, this time next year or in September or October or whatever we get next season. Um, so I, I, I think that they might deal some of these guys who don't fight, fit with Sutter's system and, and try to get guys who do and, and build that way. Um, especially when you have a high pick the way they're sure to have in the draft this year. You know, you can you might be able to draft a, a second-line center there, and you, then you don't have to worry about it, and it allows you to move on from Monaghan. So um, I, I think Daryl Sutter is going to be fundamental and foundational to the direction this team goes, takes going forward. I think he's going to have as much to say in it as anybody. Uh, Danny, the last time these two teams met, uh, last Friday, 3-2 Oilers victory. Anything changing since then for Calgary that Oilers fans should look out for on Saturday night? I mean, it is interesting that they've split up Goudreau and Monaghan. Uh, those two have been together for, for years. Uh, they're going with Goudreau on the left. Matthew Kachuk is moving over to the right, and Elias Lindholm will be at center on the first line. Um, Kachuk has not been particularly effective offensively this year, but, I mean, there's a lot of talent on that first line. That's, uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Beyond that, I mean, there are no pros for anybody to what's happening in Vancouver right now. But they did get some rest. They did get some practice time. Um, they did, you know, Daryl Sutter hasn't had four or five days just to work with these guys at practice. So I, I expect they're going to, I expect they're going to come out, out with a little bit of spark on Saturday. I, I think that they've got something to prove. And um, this is, it's a big game for them, even if it doesn't mean much in the standings. Now, for the Edmonton Oilers, uh, on the last two games against the Ottawa Senators, uh, McDavid and Drysdale had been reunited. We assume they probably go back to their own lines against a little bit tougher team in the Calgary Flames. Who do you think gets the matchup for McDavid's line and then Leon Drysdale's line? Traditionally, it's Michael Backlund who lines up against um, against McDavid, I believe. Um, and then I imagine you, you try to roll the Sean Monaghan line with Mangiapane and Dubé. Um, they're not the greatest defensively, but you know maybe they can pin the Oilers in their own end a little bit. Um, that's the matchup you try to get if you're the Flames. Um, but it's going to be Backlund against McDavid. It has to be. Um, that's Backlund's their best defensive center. He's he's been relatively good um, with McDavid. He hasn't stopped him, but there have been moments where it seemed like he's been doing okay. So that's what I would expect. Danny, thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate it, and enjoy the game Saturday night. My pleasure, man. We'll talk soon. Cheers. Great stuff from Danny Austin of Post Media down in Calgary. Covers the Flames as well as the Stampeders. Once slash if the CFL season gets going, you can give him a follow on Twitter at Danny Austin underscore nine and we really do appreciate his time tonight and uh, we really do appreciate his time on the show and that's just about going to do it for us here on the podcast but we've got one more special guest here Darren McEwen he is the co-owner of Arcadia Brewing Co located on 107 120th Street here in the city you can give them a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Arcadia Bruco, ArcadiaYEG.com is their website. Darren, thanks a lot for hopping on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Connor. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm glad you can make it on here and uh, just trying to profile local uh, businesses right now. Obviously, the uh, service industry a little bit troubled with what's going on with the regulations in our province. So uh, glad you could come on and glad we could talk about your brewing company here a little bit. First things first, though, I mean, how did it all get started? Where did the idea come from? Um, I suppose when you're Irish, it's just kind of in your blood um, to be involved with beer. Um, I mean, I've, I've I've kind of had a passion for being in a pub since I was six years old, you know, being in a pub in uh, Northern Ireland. 
kind of went from there. Um, been in the hospitality for a while. I had a cafe. Then I moved to a bar, and I opened up Arcadia on 124th Street, hoping to only do Alberta beers, but that was a little bit difficult with how much selection we had. And honestly, right when I opened, everything just started to, like, ex- uh, explode, like Ribstone Creek, then Blind Man, and just went from there. So it's already about five, six years ago I, I figured, like, I didn't want to have a bar. I wanted to have a brewery and create my own beers and just, yeah, give myself that uh, freedom uh, to be providing people with something, but also something of my own. Yeah, and I know a lot of people in the Edmonton area, obviously big fans of all that you do. Uh, for me, I love the Coliseum, the Blondale, and the name of it is just so perfect. What goes into creating an, a brand new beer? Um. As soon as you get tired of drinking all the other beers. And then um, we just, the plan was to have six core beers and then uh, try and do some small batches. We have really small systems, so it's difficult trying to keep up. But now we're looking to contract some beers out like the Coliseum because it sells so well. So that's going to give us some more freedom to uh, create new beer, like uh, small batches. So our brewer, Sean Nest, he... I've pretty much given him the freedom to do whatever he wants back there. Obviously, I like sessionable, crushable beers, you know, lower percentage, approachable for anyone to come in here and enjoy. So that's kind of what goes towards it. And then I kind of let Sean do whatever he wants to do back there. So were you a fan of Coliseum beers back in the day? I mean, like, I guess the younger listeners might not be too familiar with it, but we kind of joked, you go for a couple of Rexall beers, Coliseum beers, and, you know, you're going to have a pretty good night. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, even the young people who didn't get to experience those uh, heroin beers, they got, uh, I'm sure they heard all the stories about it. I mean, it took two of them, and you're, whoa, <laughs> good night, Jim Kite. <laughs> well, now they have they to are. come, oh, they got to come to Arcadia and have a Coliseum beer and, and live it. I remember there was one night me and a buddy had one, and I swear to God, they tasted like Skittles. It, it went down so easy. We went back to the same, uh, you know, same concession lady to get another one, and it, it was gone. It was all sold out. I don't know how that worked out, but uh, obviously it led to a pretty good night for us. So obviously, Darren, right now, uh, what, what's going on in our province, uh, the COVID numbers jumping up again and uh, the potential of that third wave coming, regulations changing. Uh, how's that affecting you guys? And for those who p- uh, want to come down and, you know, sit on the patio, when do you think they'll be able to do so? Well, ho- ho- we're hoping the patio will be open uh, uh, Friday, uh, April 9th. And then um, we have about <clears throat> 20, I'm oh, sorry, 32 seats on the patio. So we have quite a large patio because right now we're in Manchester Square. It's a brand new building. And uh, it's a, little, a lot of vacancy right now. Um, so the landlords have been gracious enough to allow me to expand my patio. So we have a lot of patio seating, you know, we have right next to the water fountain. Hopefully get that going on here in a couple of weeks. And uh, we have sun coming all day long. It's, it's pretty sweet patio. So, I mean, uh, I made the decision last week to close dining service. Um, just didn't feel comfortable with cases going the way they were. Now we are... Uh, actually closed for dining on a certain Friday anyway. So, yeah, I mean, people can come in, get a spot on the patio, hopefully come with your cohorts. We're going to be living in uh, patio tables to three, max three people per table. 
Um, if not, you can come in. We have Coliseum Blondales in cans to take home. So you can uh, in, have some great memories of those Coliseum beers watching the other games at home. And then we can also do growler fills here of all of our five beers on tap at the moment. And there is a delivery option as well, correct? There is, yes. But mainly if delivery is right now. In the next couple of weeks, we'll start having more beers and cans. Right now, it's just the Coliseum. So people can order online. We can get delivered. You can get a brand new growler and get it filled, delivered, or you can get the Coliseum Blonde delivered. And, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's our options at the moment. And we hopefully to have that expand in the next couple of weeks. Excellent stuff, and uh, I highly recommend you check out ArcadiaYEG.com for all the information. Darren, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Adam. Thanks for having me, Connor. Great stuff from Derek McEwen, co-owner of Arcadia Brewing Co. Check them out on social media at Arcadia Brew Co. That's Twitter and Instagram, also their website, ArcadiaYEG.com. And I've even got their address for you, 10712 120th Street. And I talked about it earlier on in the show. We're going to be doing a giveaway with Arcadia Brewing Co. And it's going to be very simple. It'll be on Twitter. Just go to my Twitter page, at Connor Halley. Find the graphic that has our logo from the Other Connor Podcast, as well as Arcadia Brewing Co.'s logo, and retweet it. That's all it is. All you've got to do is retweet it and make sure you give Arcadia a follow. And we're going to be giving one lucky winner a $20 gift card. That's enough to get a four pack of any of their six brews as well as a t-shirt. Now the t-shirt will have the Coliseum logo, which is basically the Coliseum with a couple of chairs in front and a spilt beer. The imagery perfectly describes a night out at an Oilers game before you could go down to Rogers Place and I don't know if it was the, the Coliseum for you, if it was Rexall, if it was Skyreach, whatever you called it, those beers were lethal and usually led to a good time. I don't think it's quite the same down at the Ice District right now, but you know what? Maybe the the legend of the beer tubes is true, and maybe the more beer that gets passed through those tubes, it'll crystallize and uh, you know make that beer as strong as it was back at the old barn, but we'll wait and see. Anyways, gift card up for grab, as well as a t-shirt with the Coliseum logo of your size. All you have to do is retweet the tweet up at my Twitter page, at Connor Halley. Check it out. It is very cool. And once again, big thanks to Darren for hopping on the podcast here today. we got to thank all of our guests, including Darren. Also, Danny Austin of Post Media down in Calgary, covering the Calgary Flames. We had Brennan Clack on the show as well. You can get his work up at Fantrax and Hernan Salas of TSN 1260, the Locked On Oilers podcast, as well as two guys and a goalie. We appreciate all of them making time, hopping on the podcast today. And I appreciate you giving the podcast a listen. I really do. Big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Make sure you sign up today and use promo code THPN, as well as the fine folks, the Hockey Podcast Network, for making this whole thing possible. My name's Connor Halley. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Connor Halley. And we'll talk to you on the Tuesday edition of this show, where we will recap the weekend for the Oilers and look ahead to what's next on the schedule. Stay safe, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.